Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Traders Wrap Up podcast here on the RHAP Network. I'm, of course, your host, please, Andy Keeley. With me, my lovely co-host, Brian Scally, And with us, the incredible, the winner of Survivor 41, it is Erica. Erica, the sorrow heard around the world last night when you were the first to be banished. How are you feeling at this hour? Good. You know what? At least I get another title, right? The winner of Survivor 41 and the loser of the Traders Canada season one. <laughs> See, I made the mistake and said banished, murdered, which is a lot worse, yes. which is what happened. Uh, so well, it depends. I think that getting murdered is probably easier on the ego than the banished, right? At least I think I'm going for a breakfast and I die versus um, having everybody point fingers at me at the round table. So I think I went out good. There you go. Yeah, I think you can wear it as a badge of honor. They were too worried about you. Now, obviously, coming in as the winner of Survivor, were you worried that this was a possible fate that you might be met with, unfortunately? Oh, 100%. When I walked in there, so when I went into Survivor, I knew I had been underestimated my whole life. That was the game I was going to play using that perception. And then going into the traders, it might have been one of the only situations in my life where I walked in and I was a Goliath. I had arguably the biggest profile of any of the players there. And there weren't a lot of other players who had been on a social strategy game before. So yes, I knew that it was a possibility. But then I also knew that with traders, there's not really anything you can do about murdering. So I just played to not get banished. And obviously, I mean, I didn't get banished. So at least I was successful there. We'll take that there as a we win. Go. We'll take that as a win. Yeah, yeah, a win's a win. <laughs> so Erica, so had you watched uh, the other Traders franchises in the lead up to being on the Traders yourself? Yes. So when I got the call to be on the Traders Canada, I had never watched them. I had heard about it. I heard people like them. And then I decided to watch the show because I was visiting my parents. To be honest, I was on the fence about doing another reality show. I'm like, I don't know. But I watched the U.S. version and my parents loved it. And they were like, you have to do the show. You have to do the show. And plus, I have a group of friends that I would play mafia with all of the time. We actually played so often that we had to stop because we were able to pick up on everybody's lies so quickly. So for me, I was like, OK, you know what? The filming schedule is way shorter than filming Survivor for two months out in the jungle. Well, one month, but then you're gone for two months. Um, and then I also thought it's a game that I've played so many times. So I'm like, OK, let's just go in and have fun. There you go. Now, so since you had played a ton of Mafia and watched these traders before this, were you coming in hoping to be a faithful like you were? Or were you really hoping to be a trader ultimately? Oh, I went back and forth on this, to be honest. When I was getting ready to do the show, I knew I had everything it took to be a really strong trader. But the major target I had on me in terms of being a winner of Survivor, I knew that that would put me in a difficult position as both a faithful and a trader, but I think especially as a trader. And then once I got into the manor and I met people and I saw there was literally someone there who saw me and they were stunned and they said that I was the one who inspired them to finally be on a reality Aww. show and now they're playing with me which was honestly so sweet and so humbling but in the context of a game where it matters what people think about you and I'm like oh no this is this is not good for me so once I got in there I was like you know what I think that I I might have to take the uphill battle of being a faithful um but it turns out no path was the right path for me in this game <laughs> um 
so getting on with the one of the early uh, scenes we see you in, you have this trio forming with the Big Brother Canada folks and Koozie and Kevin. How invested were you in that group of three? Well, it was day one. So on day one, you make your alliances with whoever. I actually really was looking forward to working with that group of three, simply because when you think about the game and you think about the traders from almost like a meta level, this, the selection of traders, there needs to be at least one person who is from a reality show and at least one person who is capable of being a trader and who is best positioned to be a trader other than the people who have come from a social strategy game. So I was thinking there is of the three of us, someone here needs to be a trader. I know it's not me. So one of the two of them need to be a trader. And knowing that I have such a target on me, I think that my best line of defense is to actually use the skill and the target I have to position it as almost like protection for the other people who would recognize like how how much of my target actually is. So I, I was invested because I was thinking one of these people needs to be a trader. And if I'm going to be able to stay, I need to make them believe that I will be there to protect them and I will be a potential shield for them. Mm -hmm. Now, along that line of thinking, did you feel very betrayed all of a sudden when you are then the first murderer <laughs> thinking one of those two is probably up there in Traitor's Tower? And did you think that it was a maybe questionable move on their part? I didn't feel betrayed because I get it. It's a game. It came up while I was there that people were like, oh, wow, you want a million dollars U.S. here in Canada. huh?" So I I knew that it was always a possibility. So I can't be upset at anybody for murdering me. I was a little surprised because I thought that if we're thinking about playing the game as um, through, uh, through a strategic lens, I thought that I wasn't necessarily an obvious first murder because I thought that someone would want to keep me around because I would always be a distraction for them. I'd always be someone who is so easy to throw suspicion onto no matter what I do, even if I played socially perfectly because I'm a survivor winner, there would always be reason to throw me under the bus and to potentially paint me to be a traitor. So I thought that for the shield potential, I could at least last a bit longer. And also it didn't show on TV, TV, but in all of my confessionals, I was saying, if I can just last two days, I'm going to get to the end and I'm going to win and I didn't last two days <laughs> yeah I think some people might have known that too and maybe that's mm -hmm. why uh, they were yeah. a little worried to take you out there one yeah <laughs> um, so in your time in at Traders was there anybody you were suspicious of? Now, obviously, you've mentioned that you thought one of us reality stars got it. And you mentioned the, the other one could be someone who'd be savvy. Who, who were the savvy ones that you were looking at um, during your time? I mean, I was there for such a short time. So it's so hard to really identify who the traders are, especially when you think about it. I wasn't even there for a banishment. So there were no real opportunities to get that real tangible information. You're just going off of vibes, which <laughs> ultimately doesn't mean anything at this point. What I was thinking about the what, the night that I was there and I went to bed is I made a list of the people who I thought were for sure faithfuls and the people who I thought were potentially traitors, but I needed more information. So where I was proud is I was correct in all of my lists. The people I knew for sure were faithfuls were correct. And even though the the traitors, I did, I don't think I knew like the exact three or four of them, but everyone who was a traitor was on that list for me. There you go. 
that's successful. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, again, if they had kept you around, I think you would have been pretty dangerous. So I understand both sides of Thank it. Thank you. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it would have been tough for them. Now, how did you ultimately become a traitor there? And so you have Kevin and Kuzi and murdering one of them might throw some sus off of you because why would you kill your fellow reality stars? Do you have made that same move, Erica, or would you have held off for a little while? So if I was a traitor, would I have killed a Koozie or Kevin? No, I wouldn't because I would have kept them in because, again, they're always going to be a lightning rod for attention. So I'm like, keep them in, especially, again, as another player who played the social strategy game who comes in as a winner. You want to keep those people in who are going to be able to to take that attention off of you. So I think I probably would have chosen a civilian who uh, is not necessarily making waves and leaving the the wave maker, so to speak, in the game. If you were to get called up and they're like, Erica, we didn't get enough of a dose of you season one, come through <laughs> for season two. Are you packing your bags? Are you making the trip? I would need to know. I'm like, I know they can't tell me the cast, but I'm like, okay, am I playing against other reality stars? Am I playing against civilians? Because I think that ultimately what tanked me was the the composition of the cast. And I, I love everyone. I think that they're so fun. I think it's going to be an amazing season to watch. But I think that it perhaps if it was a makeup of a season similar to Traders US season two, where it's all reality stars, I would potentially consider it. But yeah, I, I would I would listen to see what they had to offer. All right. Well, our fingers are firmly crossed for another run for Erica. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because I do feel like just talking to you here and obviously having watched you on Survivor, we were robbed of at least a roundtable presence for you because I feel like that would have been so much fun to watch play out. I know it's so funny watching the show because there were certain things where I was like, oh, I knew they were thinking that or I knew this person was lying about it. And if if I just was in there for one more day, perhaps I could have changed something. but. This is the hand I was dealt. And at least I had fun. And hey, you said it yourself. You said, listen, I'm just going to cry by a million dollars. So we love that. That was a good, we got a good laugh out of that one. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> All righty. Well, Erica, thank you so much for giving us your time. We really do appreciate it. It is, again, as both two big Survivor fans here with you, it's an honor to get to talk to you. And um, Rob did say that he wanted to uh, say a hello to you and say sorry he missed you uh, here. Um, but we got to talk to you. So his loss, our gain. Hey, I will take it and tell Rob I say hello and I say hello to everybody. Appreciate that from you, Erica. Thank you so much. We hope you have a lovely day. Thank you. You too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Traders Rahapa podcast over here on RHAP. Of course, my name is Puya Zanvikili. I'm here with my co-host, Brian Scali, and we're here with the lovely Colin Johnson. Colin, sad to see you go. First banished over here. How are you feeling out the gate? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Tonight when I watched the episode, it brought back a, a lot of uh, feelings that I had at that moment when we were 
filming and it was it was a little rough but uh you know by the time the episode wrapped it felt uh it still felt pretty good pretty proud of you know just being there and having that great experience yeah was it everything that you were expecting going in or were you blindsided by uh how playing the traders actually ended up being how'd you feel about your experience well i got to meet a lot of really awesome people i kind of knew that going in i was going to meet some pretty cool people that uh I've never met before and that was fun uh yeah i got uh, a little blindsided obviously on the uh on the second episode it was right near the end too so because most of the day went really well and then just near the end it was kind of caught me off guard so yeah it is what it is kind of when it happened though i was like yep yeah, well, this makes sense <laughs> <laughs> What was your knowledge on Traders coming in? Had you watched any of the other franchises beforehand? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, shortly before filming, I started getting into uh, Traders UK. I really liked that one and polished that off. It took a little while just because with work and everything, but finished that off. And then shortly after that, I was on this show. Nice. So you got a good sense of the chaos that the traders can be coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I was I was only there for a short while, but uh, it was chaos. Like right before, on that second episode, and they portrayed it really well. When I watched when I watched it, it was very true to exactly how it, it played out in real life. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've seen exactly what's going on right now. I feel like. Oh my God. Like I've seen this episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> it is a very unique situation that you're in because I feel like what started the, the sus, so to speak on you was an act of kindness that you had towards Donna. Can you speak to that a little bit for us? Yeah, for sure. Um, I bumped into Donna when I was walking into the manor and she was, uh, you know crying and she was upset because she thought for sure she was going home and we had spoken earlier and i think it, it think some of it's on the episode but i had already already knew what her issues were and we had talked and we were also in the car on the ride home on the ride home from the challenge so we talked the whole ride back so i had a good sense of what was going on with her and where she was at and then she started telling me the story again and i just told her I'm like hey like you got a big group of people sitting over there uh, that are, you know, your name has been brought up several times by people that are there. I'm like, why don't you go and tell them? Like, I mean, I already understand where you're coming from, but I mean, if you want to clear the air now might be a good time because it's getting later in the day. We're going to have round table soon. And this might be your only opportunity to get everybody together and, you know, say your piece. And uh, that backfired. <laughs> yeah especially i feel like once the confusion where it was said that you said the same thing to dom got brought in and people started getting confused how was handling that you know misinformation and chaos oh. <laughs> oh it was it was crazy i'm not used to that in my everyday life so it, it felt like back in high school like i heard so-and-so said something and you know, and I'm like, okay, how do I deal with this now that I'm an adult? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like you see on the episode, I, I overheard them talking about me, and then they brought, they said I, I I did the same thing with Dom, which didn't happen at all. So they brought Dom in. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about, and 
Yeah, and then eventually Donna apologized. She said, "Oh, it was a miscommunication." It's like, well, a little, you know, a little too late. You know, the damage has been done, and honestly, I think it was on purpose. But you know, that's the game, right? That's the game. Like you gotta, you gotta play to win. And I mean, she had a huge target on her back, and she was able to flip that around real quick. By you know, and she told Fierce of all people, right? So you know, Fierce is going to go out there and like, oh, stoke the fire, right? And of course, while all this was happening, I actually I wasn't in the manner when it was unfolding. So I came in when it was like halfway, like people had already started talking about it. So I was trying to like put out fires, <laughs> like a forest fire with a bucket of water, right? <laughs> and yeah, once you have a, a target on your back in this game, as we all know, like you're especially this early on in the game, that you it's hard, it's hard to get it off you. Right, because everybody's looking for that easy, uh, the easy vote oh, that yeah. early on, because there's nothing else to really go off. Of. So as soon as someone's like, "Well, I heard this," boom, spreads like wildfire, and now everybody's like, "Okay, I got my vote figured out now." That was easy. <laughs> yeah, it really felt like it was a combination of the the miscommunication stuff with Donna and Dom, and then the other thing that you had mentioned, which really people latched onto because again, they got nothing else to latch onto at that moment was this whole dialogue uh, about people deserving the money to be the ones to win. Can you clarify for everybody what went down with that and what you meant by that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't remember exactly where I said it. I do remember saying it in probably just some candid conversation I was having with somebody and not really thinking like, this is going to have some major repercussions or anything. Cause I was just thinking out loud, like, yeah, it'd be nice to see somebody win who, you know, who I guess, you know, who I felt maybe deserved it. Just somebody who, you know, lives just your normal day-to-day life, works a nine to five, was lucky enough to get on a show like this, to have this opportunity. Right. So I'm seeing it from an outsider's perspective. Cause when I watch these shows, I'm rooting for the underdog all the time. So I was just thinking out loud. I was like, yeah, it'd be nice to see somebody win it who can really use that money, you know, for their family or their, if they're trying to start a business or what, whatever their ventures are. Right. And then that was twisted into like, well, you don't think the reality stars deserve to win. Right. And so, yeah, it, it super backfired on me. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, yeah, I should have just kept my mouth shut and not said anything, but I was just uh, saying what I was feeling at the time. And, Oops, you know, yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna do, right? Right, like, it happens. Well, yeah, especially that early on, right? Like anything you say, Canon will be used against you at the round table. So, and it was, you know, they took it the wrong way, or maybe they knew exactly what I meant, but they, you know, that's ammunition. So, I think that was definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, so you mentioned the reality stars. I would want to. Now, coming in, how familiar were you with any of them? Were there any that you had like red flags right away or that you wanted to work with? How did you uh, perceive them initially? Uh, well, when I first got there, I didn't really recognize anybody right away. Like, I don't actually watch a lot of reality TV. There's a few shows that I watch, but none of them were from the shows that I watch. Uh, people brought me up to speed really quickly on like a, a who's who kind of thing before, before we got to properly introduce each other and stuff. And one of the first people that somebody pointed out was, was Kevin. Right. And they're like, Oh, you know, he's, you know, big brother winner, poker player. I'm like, Oh, 
you know, and that was really the only person that, that I've really heard much about. So a lot of people thought I had it out for Kevin because I was like, well, he's a poker player, you know, you know, I'm not in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, well, wait, what about Mike? Right. Like Mike's an illusionist. He's a magician who's very much on the same spectrum as Kevin when it comes to reading people and just, you know, being deceitful and stuff like that. And yeah, so I'm really the only ones that were on my radar right away at the beginning was just Kevin and Mike, but I didn't really speak much about Mike on the show because I barely got to really talk to him either. It was, you know, trying to get to know everybody in a very short period of time. So it wasn't easy to get to know anybody or make any judgments right away or like who's, you know, who's doing what kind of thing. And of course, now that you watch the episode, now I'm like, ah, okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. Now that you see it from the camera's perspective. So. Who would you say was the person you were closest to in the in your tenure at the traders? Uh, I would say probably Dom. Like uh, me and him used to go for smoke breaks kind of thing. And, you know, the camera crew would always be following us around. And we're just like, oh, I just need like a two minute, just two minutes, like have a quick puff, man. And like, you know, the cameras are always there and waiting to catch us talking about something. But uh, no, we didn't really talk much about uh, the game while we were off on our own. We were, really were just you know, having a quick puff and then we were back in the, in the thick of it with all the people, but so I'd say me and him got pretty close. Um, also Mary, like me and her had a, a good, pretty long talk on the boat ride, the boat ride up, up to the manor on the very first episode there. But there was, I didn't notice a lot, like a lot of footage from the boat, like the boat ride itself, but we had a really good conversation there. So over the next few days, I think uh, we were, we we're pretty close. Nice. So then were you surprised when ultimately Dom does handle the uh, misinformation as like, I'm not trying to get involved. Like he's not really coming to your defense ultimately there. Were you surprised at that or disappointed? Uh, yeah. The way it played out on the show was um, because I, I don't know what else was said. Like if he had told anybody else, anything, mm-hmm. anything, because I wasn't there and it wasn't on the show. So I don't know what else he said but the one part where he did say he's like i'm not getting involved with this yeah i was kind of hoping he would have said a little bit more and maybe he did but it just wasn't on the show I, i'm not too sure but but yeah i was kind of disappointed i thought he was going to totally take take my side and you're like you know like what are you guys even talking about like colin didn't try to get me to do anything you know but it played out how it played out yeah um coming into the round table did you know that it was probably going to be you or Donna? And my additional question to that is, did you have any other name that you were potentially coming in with that you were suspect on? Uh, no. Um, okay. So coming into the round table, I was very much knowing that it was going to be me or Donna. Cause it okay. was, that's people talked about for that last bit of the second episode. And that's very much how it played out. Uh, when we were there, it was, everybody was talking about it. However, I thought I had a pretty good chance of sticking around after Donna came out and said, sorry, it was a misunderstanding. Uh, you know, and then with Dom saying, I'm not getting involved, you know, like he didn't throw me under the bus and say like, Oh yeah, that's true. He did do that. You know? So I thought I, I had quite a few people on my side and I even called her out. I said like the only treacherous thing i've seen so far since i've been here was what donna did to me 
by waiting till I wasn't around and then telling people, well, Colin set me up or he might've set me up to go and apologize to make me look bad. And which I'm pretty sure she knew that that wasn't the case, nor did she have to act on it at all. She didn't have to go over there and apologize if she really didn't want to. And I thought everybody would see that. So going into the round table, I thought my chances were pretty good that I was going to be safe. Yeah, but then the other issues came up with me saying, you know, I hope whoever wins is somebody who deserves it. Yeah, it kind of makes me sound like an ass now. <laughs> now that I, I, I hear it, you know, like, oh, you know. Yeah, I think that was kind of me punching my ticket right there. I think that was probably worse than the whole Donna thing. Because I think people saw through the whole uh, Donna, Dom, me, like that miscommunication thing. Mm. So, yeah, I think it was it was that plus what I said. And that was just that was enough for them to go, OK, well, you got my vote, you know, because who else are we going to vote for? I mean, there, there was a few other ones that voted for Donna, which was nice, but not quite enough to save my butt. So. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, as soon as, like you said, word spreads like wildfire in that house, especially in those early rounds. So like one little thing and people are going to jump on it. So it is yeah. tough. I do. Yeah, yeah it definitely got convenient for them. Uh, my one last question for you here, Colin, you mentioned you'd gone to your room to get your driver bus driver's license to, for proof. <laughs> Did you end up presenting that? Did that end up getting into evidence for, for the rest of the uh, house there? Oh, I showed everybody. Yeah. 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 There was because uh, there was a lot of talk. People were saying, well, I don't think he's a bus driver. There's no way he's a bus driver. And I'm trying to think, I'm like, OK, well, this is the only way I can prove it is I've had my driver's license. I'm like, here, look, here you go. Here you go. And I showed almost everybody, you know, and then people were like, OK, you don't have to show us. We don't really care. It's like, well, there's no way to prove anything in this show at all. It's just, do you believe my word or do you not? And this was the only thing I could think of in the moment to prove that I am not lying about being a bus driver. Like, why, why would I lie about that? I mean, if I was going to lie about an occupation, I would have made up something way cooler. But uh, no, bus driver it is. So I was hoping that would kind of go, okay, well, if he's not lying about that, maybe he's not lying about, you know, anything else that people are saying. Yeah, that was, that was why I once- did it. <laughs> they didn't care once they couldn't use it against you anymore. Ultimately, that's <laughs> yeah. what it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it never came up again after that, really. <laughs> once I showed the ID, they're like, like, okay, well, we can't use that. <laughs> we did see Rick the Temp at the end of the episode say that he's going to make a very personal and special visit to Thunder Bay to apologize <laughs> to you directly. So hopefully that did happen. Not yet, but I'm uh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I got to Oh, I'm saving him a seat at my uh, kitchen table. <laughs> we we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Cameras to that, please. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. For sure. Colin, thank you so much for giving us your time today. It was a delight watching you play. I ultimately gone too soon. Ultimately convenient that you had information out there for you, but hopefully you enjoy the rest of the season as we will and uh hopefully we hear from you in the future somewhere down the line. Yeah, I really hope so. Thank you for having me. It was great. Take care. All right. Take care, man.